0: <laughs> Kaylee Muth, our technical and uh, sound director, did that. Can we just give her a round of applause? That was a lot of work. And she did a great job on that. So today we are going to continue in our series that we began last week called Fight Club. And this series is specifically targeting marriages. Now, let me back up to what I said last week, and I want you to hear me on this. This series, while it may be targeted toward marriages, is a series for everybody. So let's say you're in the room today, and you're single, or you're divorced, or or maybe you're even widowed, and you like have that desire to be married one day again, that God will bring some along the way for you. This series is something that you can learn from, and go, okay, the next step for me, I'm going to apply these things to my life and to my marriage. And so it's really important for us to do that. Or let's just say that you're here this morning and say, oh, look, single is where I want to live my life because to you know too many jacked up married people, and so I'm just going to stay single. Or maybe you're like my mom, and you're a widow, and you're like, you don't have any desire to get married. Listen, this series is still important for you because next week, or a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about singleness and the beauty of singleness, but let me tell you why this series is also important for you guys because if you're finding yourself in that stage of, of divorced or widowed or single, and that's where you want to spend the rest of your life, here's something you all know that we need to be praying for those that are married. Amen? We need to pray for those that are married. Amen? Amen. We need to be praying for those. And also, those married people may come to you for biblical advice, and you're going to have advice to give them. So wherever you find yourself today, this series is for you. So today, as we think about that, and especially for those of us that are married, we remember this from last week, hopefully, that we said that in your marriages, you're going to have to make a decision. And it's not just true of your marriages. It's really true of all your relationships, you're gonna to have to make this decision. Either I'm gonna to choose to fight in my marriage or I'm gonna to choose to what? Come on, say it like you mean it fight what? for my marriage. You're not too enthusiastic about that one. Now some of you, I know last week, you came up and you got the keychain boxing glove and you went home and you're like, okay, I'm committing to fight for my marriage, not in my marriage. And some of you, would if we could have a conversation today, you'd say, you know what, we fought more in the last six days than we have fought in the last six years, right? Why? Because you've made a commitment and the enemy hates that you've made that commitment and is going to do all he can to attack you. And some of you, I know that's probably what your week looked like. But as you think about that, we said that for all of us, that especially those that are married, you've got to make a real decision. Are we going to fight in our marriage? Are we going to fight for our marriage? Now here's what we know. Fighting in your marriage is super easy to do, right? All you have to do is elevate your rights, what the other person owes you, and just bring it up all the time. That's a good way to fight in your marriage. But if you're going to fight for your marriage, it has nothing to do with grabbing your rights, but it's everything to do with grabbing your responsibilities, And so this week and next week, what I want to do is I want to talk about what are our biblical responsibilities, not our roles, but what are our biblical responsibilities in marriage. And today I want to start by talking to the men. Now, listen, ladies, real quick, okay? This is not a day for you to go, I can just take a nap right now, right? No, no, no. I want you to listen because some things I say to men also can be true of you as well. Some things that you need to hear, some things that you need to understand they're going to be working on and trying to do so that you can be an encouragement to them. And also, ladies, let me just say this while I'm here because I can see many of you this morning. I don't want to see any elbows nudging their spouse beside them. I don't want to hear any uh uh-huh kind of moments. I don't want to see any of that stuff. I don't even want to see you just kind of look and just stare at them like, are you hearing what he's saying this morning? Because at the end of the day, I've never known a man they got closer with god because his wife was nagging him or guilting him into it never never met a man like that so wives we're coming to you next week all right so be ready for that but this this is for you too as well wives you can learn a lot from today so man let me just say this to you before i get into it i want to share some things with you biblically from a guy who also struggles from a man who hasn't figured marriage out. And if you're like, sure you have. Well, you can just ask my wife. She would amen and go, no, he has not figured it out. I still wrestle with these things as well too. But what I want for all of us, including myself, is I want us to be the godly men and the godly husbands that God desires us for to be. And if you want that this morning, would you say amen to that? We want that, all right? So if you have your Bibles, don't show me the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where I'm going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. And it is somewhat a familiar passage if you've ever talked about marriage. And, and what we're going to see is what's the responsibility of the husband. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 5 of Ephesians, I want you to stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. And I'm going to read verses 25 through 30. Stand with me if you don't mind in honor of just reading the Word of God. And this is what the Lord of God says through the Apostle Paul. Husbands, read that next line with me. Love your wives. Let's read it together. Husbands, love your wives. Now say it with a great deal of joy in your heart, man. Husbands, there you go. Love your wives. Right? That was great. There we go. It says, As Christ loved the church, Of his body. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. I pray as we dive into this, especially for the husbands in the room and for men in the room, those that are married, those that desire to be married, just for all of us that we can glean some real truth today. And God, I pray for those that don't necessarily fit into the marriage circle right now, or those that are not husbands today, the wives and the ladies in the room, that we can gain truth because truth transcends a specific area. Truth is just biblical truth. And God, there's some things that we can walk away with today. And so God, would you just speak to us? Would you help us unpack your words today? And so in your precious and holy son's name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. Now, as I look at this passage, there are three responsibilities that I think that we've got to think about this morning. Three responsibilities that husbands have to bring to the table when it comes to your marriage. And the first one's found in verse 25. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Here's the first responsibility. I want you to write this down. No matter what you do, love your wives. Husbands, no matter what you do, no matter what she does, no matter what women do, what our wives do, no matter what our wife does, doesn't matter what you do, first and foremost, love your wife. Now this word love here, this word love, if you were to trace it back, is the Greek word agape. It's a word we've talked about before. I'm sure you know what it means. I'll come to it in a minute. But the reality is there's a a commentator by the name of David Gusick that does a really good job of reminding us that there's really four kinds of Greek words for love in the New Testament. One of those loves is the word eros. It's where we get the word erotic in English. And that's a love between a husband and a wife. And that kind of love is driven strictly by desire. And y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The other kind of love, a second love, is the love called storge. And that's the love between like a parent and a child or family members. It's a love that is driven by blood. Like we're blood related and we love each other because of that. And then there's this love called phileo. It's a brotherly kind of love. It's a love that is driven by uh, similar uh, uh, things that we enjoy, common interest and common affection. It's that kind of phileo kind of love. But then we have this agape love. And agape love is not driven by desire. It's not driven by blood. It's not driven by common affections. It is driven by a decision. A decision to love someone that's instinctive to them. Decision to love someone unconditionally. To love them in a way that's never changing. To love them in a way that is self-giving. And to love them in a way that completely denies self. Now, Back up just for a moment, man. Husbands, agape your wife. That's what he's talking about. This kind of love that is unconditional, this kind of love that's never changing, this kind of love that is self giving and it's always about denying self. Husbands, that's how we're to love our wives. And he says, that's how Christ. Love the church. Now think about the church just for a moment. Let's think about the church of Jesus Christ. You ready? The church, and you probably know this, the church is the vehicle that Jesus has chosen to share the gospel to the world, right? Now we know the church is not a place, but it's what? It's a people. Come on. It's not a place. It's a people. We know that, right? And so when Jesus gets ready to go into heaven, Matthew 28, he says, go make disciples of everyone, of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I am with you always. In other words, Jesus saying, to those of you that are going to be my followers, you make up the church, and the church is going to be the vehicle with which I share the gospel to the rest of the world. Now, Here's the problem with the church. It's made up of people. Amen? People are messy. And part, part of the people that are in the church are people that are broken people, right? Some of the people in church are people that aren't just broken, but they're people that, like, they sometimes just don't get it. They don't completely understand. People in the church, listen to this. Now, some of you, this is your first time to church, you need to hear me say this, all right? Sometimes people in church are hypocrites, right? And then sometimes people in church are just flat out crazy, right? I mean, the church is made up of so many different kinds of people. But listen, when you think about the church, the vehicle that Jesus chose to share the gospel to the rest of the world is made up of broken, flawed, hypocritical, sometimes don't get it, crazy kind of people, right? And that includes you too, and that includes me. That's what the church is made up of. However, Jesus says, I, and despite, despite all that, Jesus loved the church. Now, well, how did he love the church? When it says that, you know, the husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, Jesus loves the church, not based on performance, but based on position. Now, follow me for just a moment. Jesus' love for the church has nothing to do with what the people that make up the church do for him. Jesus' love for the church is not based on how they perform. His love is based on their position. They are children of the Most High God. They are followers of Jesus. They have been adopted, accepted, forgiven, and they belong to him. So Jesus' love for the church is not based on what we do. It's based on who we are. Now, let me tell you why that's really important. Because that's, husbands, how we're to love our wives. We're to love our wives not based on their performance, but based on their position. See, Jesus' love for the church wasn't based on what they did. It was based on the church is the bride of Christ, that the church belongs to him. It was who they are is why he loved them. And the reason we are called to love our wives this way is not based on what they've done. You know, do they fix some mean biscuits and gravy? Or do they keep all the laundry done? Are they, do they take care of all of the needs in the house? I mean, do they pay all the bills? It's not based on performance. It's based on their position. They are our wives. Hear me on this, husbands. You walked an aisle, probably, you were in front of a judge, a justice of the peace or a minister and you took vows and you made commitments and you swapped rings and you said things like I will I promise to to love and to comfort and to cherish you I'll take you this day forever in better or worse for richer or poor and sickness and health you made those commitments And we love our wives not because they've met, that they've performed and kept their commitments, but because of their position, and that is that they are our wives. And and Paul says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Now remember, let's remind you how Christ loved the church. He loved the church with an unconditional, unchanging kind of love. A love that is self-giving and a love that was self-sacrificing, and that's how we're to love Our wives. Just a real quick poll. Don't raise your hand. Just in your head. I just want to see it in your eyes. You ready? How many husbands can say that's how I love my wife? Because see, when you read Ephesians five, it talks about women submitting to their husbands, wives submitting to their husbands, and tells why. And it says husbands love your 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 wife as Christ loves the church. And listen, I would contend with you that this this command to the men is even a more daunting task than the other one. That you are called to love your wife exactly as Christ is love the church, to love her based on position, not performance, to love her unconditionally, to love her in, in an unchanging way, to love her in a way that is self-giving of you, and is always denying yourself. That's how we're to love her. Now, this kind of love that Jesus showed the church is the kind of love that led him to never walk away from the church, the love that he, fe- that he felt for the church, the love he demonstrated to the church, was the kind of love that led him never to walk away from the church. When you read Scripture, were there moments when you read Scripture, you're like, if I was God, I'd be like, I am done with you people. I'm sure you what. Was God ever done with them? No. Listen, husbands, I think one of the most godly things that we could do this morning is to tell our wives no matter what, I'm not throwing the towel in. No matter what, I choose to love you. Even when you don't get it. Even when I think you're being hypocritical. Even when you are broken. Even when I think you're crazy. I choose, because you know you've thought that before, husbands. I choose, don't laugh because you'll get in trouble later. I choose to love you. Husbands, I think the most godly thing we can do this morning is tell our wives no matter what. You know what no matter what means? It means there's no, there's no reason I will ever change my position. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, I'm not throwing the towel in. No matter what you do, I choose to love you. So our first responsibility as husbands is to say no matter what you do, love your wives. No matter what you do, I'm going to love you based on your position, not based on your performance. Let me show you the second responsibility we have. It's also found in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and what? Gave himself up for her. Now, what is the picture here? It's the picture of Jesus' what? Sacrifice. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, based on position, not performance, and gave himself up for her. the second responsibility we have is to say, no matter what it takes, love your wives. Not only no matter what you do, but no matter what it takes, love your wives. See, the thing that we learn here from the Apostle Paul is that we are to give ourselves up for our spouses, that we are to give ourselves up for our wives. We are to sacrifice for them now, let's just be real honest here. I think if there's an area that maybe sometimes we struggle as husbands, or at least I struggle as a husband, is in this area of sacrifice. Now, what I'm not talking about is you deciding there's there's a moment there, and you decide, hey, you know, guess what? Um, I really want to watch sports, but I'm going to choose to watch Dancing with the Stars with you. That's, that's not sacrifice. Or, you know, I really want to watch The Chosen, but I'll watch The Bachelorette with you. That's not when I'm talking about that, right? That's not what I'm talking about. Or, hey, I'll let you have the remote for tonight. I'll get the remote tomorrow night. That's not the sacrifice I'm talking about. I want you to think about the kind of sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I. The kind of sacrifices that changed Our life and our eternity. Look with me in verse 25 through 27 again. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is a quick question. How did Jesus love the church? He laid his life down for her right are you with me on that church say amen he laid his life down for her now why did he lay his life down for her? Well, it says here it tells us three things he did first of all so that she might be sanctified in other words so those that come to faith in him might be saved he laid down his life so that those that were apart from God, that were separated from God due to our sin, might be saved. He also laid down his life so not only that we would be saved, but that we would be cleansed. How do we get cleansed? How do we hear the message of the gospel that when we hear it, we can seek and, and, and pursue God's forgiveness and our lives be changed? It's through the word. That's why he says here, cleansing her with the washing of the word. Now that idea is not kind of a mystical idea. It just means this notion of that the word of God is what tells us the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's the word of God that comes and we hear it and we understand what Jesus has done for us and it's receiving what we hear in the word of God that forgives us for our sins. Trusting in Christ. See, so I've laid my life down for my church, but there was a motive behind that. I want the people to be saved and grow in their salvation. I want people to be forgiven and to live as forgiven, but I also want them to be holy, set apart, without blemish, and without flaw. So when you think about how Jesus sacrificed for his church, he laid his life down. And husbands, we've got to come to the place where we say, not only no matter what you do, love your wives, but no matter what it takes, love your wives. We need to have a heart willing to sacrifice for a while. So what does that mean, Doug? What does it mean to really sacrifice for my wife? What does it mean to really lay my life down? Does that mean, hey, we're in a bank robbery and I take a bullet for her? Well, possibly that would be a great thing to do, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. That if you're gonna lay your life down for your spouse, it means this, simply, and we can talk about a lot of things, but let me put it simply like this. It means putting her needs above your needs. If you're gonna lay down your life for your spouse, it's putting her needs above. Above your needs. And I said this last week, and I don't want you to forget it. Too many of us in marriage, including this guy, function too highly around the big I in marriage. What I want, what I need, and what I desire. And if you're going to sacrifice for your spouse, it's basically saying, what do you need, what do you want, and what do you desire? So here's what it means to put the needs of your spouse ahead of your own husband. It means sitting down with them when they've got some weighty things in their life and just hearing what's going on in life and just being there for them. You don't have to be, like, my problem is I'm a fixer. When you come to the problem and I've got like four steps or three steps because I'm a preacher, I've got three steps in a poem and I'm ready to get you out the door, I know how to fix the problem. But sometimes in marriage, that's not what your spouse wants, right, Sonia? That's not what she wants. She wants me to sit there and to listen and to understand the things that are weighing heard down, and just go, I love you, I'm there, and I'm praying for you. That's what it means to met their, put their needs first. It's just to hear the weighty things and go, I'm there with you. It also means that maybe there's that moment in your life when your spouse is sick and you have to readjust your schedule and readjust your plans to make sure that she's taken care of. It means having moments when you come home from work and you are just emotionally spent and make sure that you still have engaging, meaningful moments with your spouse. It means putting her desires ahead of your desires. That's what it means, husbands. And one of the responsibilities we have Is to love our wives, not based on performance, but based on position. But secondly, our responsibility is to love our wives sacrificially. Now, this is difficult, isn't it, guys? You can just kind of wink at me because I know you're you're thinking, right? Because if you're like Doug, I want to love my wife sacrificially, but I want something in return, don't you? Come on, be honest, don't you? Well, if I do this, maybe she'll do that. And some of us do things like that. Well, if I go this route, if I, like, if I decide to watch The Bachelor instead of The Chosen with her, maybe later, you know, maybe in the next day she'll go play golf with me or what? I mean, we think in ways of manipulating instead of just a heart that goes, I'm going to sacrifice out of a deep, unchanging, uh, unconditional love I have for her, and I expect nothing in return. Love our wife sacrificially. Let me give you one more responsibility. It's found in verse 28 through 30. It says this. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Here's the third responsibility. No matter what you feel, love your wife. No matter what you do, no matter what it takes, no matter what you feel, love your wife. Just a real quick show of hands from everybody in the room, including the wives. How many of you would say that sometimes in a marriage relationship you have intense moments? Okay. Some of you haven't been married long enough, but it's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. It may be today, but it's coming, right? Even in those intense moments, guess what? Even those intense moments, we're called to love our wives like we love ourselves. And Paul tells us specifically how you love yourself. I mean, all of us do, right? All of us love ourselves. He says, you know how we know we love ourselves? There's two things we do. Number one, we nourish ourselves and we cherish ourselves. Now, nourishment means we just give ourselves the very things that are needed to grow, whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally. We feed into our lives what we need to make sure that we're healthy and moving the right direction. Whether it's growing spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, we nourish ourselves, but we also cherish ourselves. All of us at some point look in the mirror, you know, we put our clothes on, we put our deodorant, hopefully we brush our teeth, and we go, I, 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 I'm a person of value, I matter, And I cherish myself. That's not an arrogant thing. You are creating the image of God and you should cherish yourself. But he says, listen, I want you to love your wives like you love yourself. Listen, no matter what you feel in the intense moments, love your wife like you love yourself. That means make sure that you are nurturing and showing nourishment to your wives. You need to make sure that you're feeding into your wife whatever she needs to help her grow spiritually and emotionally not feed things in there that tear her down. We need to make sure that we're spending time with our wives, giving words that, that build her up, that basically that show her that we cherish her, that she's of value and that she matters and that she's significant and that we love her that way. Not words that basically devalue her, words that are condescending or degrading. We have to make sure that in our marriages, that we, when things get intense, that we love our wives like we love ourselves, that we nourish her and nurture her, but also cherish her. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3, let's throw it up. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this. Likewise, this kind of shares the same idea. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, here's what here's what Peter says: husbands, here's what I want you to do: live with your wife in a way that's understanding. And live in a way with your wife where you show her honor. Now what does that mean to be understanding? Doesn't that understanding take listening? Doesn't understanding take grace? Doesn't understanding take this idea that we're in this thing together and I'm not giving up or giving out on you? Isn't understanding something that's there for the long haul? Sure. And what does it mean to show her honor? To Speak well to her, right? So here's what I want to say to his husbands. You ready? Just for a moment. If we are going to, no matter what we feel, if we are going to love our wives like we love ourselves, we've got to make sure that we are putting things into her life to help her grow emotionally and spiritually. We've got to make sure that we know, that our spouses know that we cherish her and that they're valuable to us. We've also got to be understanding to them and show them honor. We've got to do that, yes, with our actions, but hear me, man, we have to do it with our words. Now, I know what many of you are thinking. Many men, and I don't know what the numbers are, but men use, say, 10,000 words a day. Ladies use how many words a day?
1: Somebody said a lot, right?
0: So let's say 100,000 words, okay? We'll just use that. I don't know what the numbers are, but let's just say that. And this, quite frankly, sometimes your wife comes home and she's used 30,000 words. That means she's got 70,000, all for you, baby, right? 70,000 for you to listen to, and you've used 11,000 words on your day, and so when you get home, what's the one thing you don't want to do? Talk. But listen, your words matter. They can speak life or death into your marriage. And see, here's what we need to know as men. Ready? Come, just follow me because you know I'm right. Men, I mean, like, like Chris and I could get into a verbal disagreement, and an hour later, we could go eat tacos, and we're fine. But two ladies get in a verbal disagreement where things said that shouldn't be said and years go by, right? (laughs) Right? You know I'm right. Why? Because words matter to them. And we've got to make sure our words are nurturing, cherishing, showing honor, and that our words are designed to build them up. That's our third responsibility. To love our wives, so no matter how we feel, to love our wives like we love ourselves. And so I want to conclude with this today, men. Do you have an attitude this morning that says no matter what? Do you have an attitude this morning that says no matter what? Are you ready to elevate your responsibilities in your marriage rather than pick up your rights in your marriage? See, the beautiful thing about this passage is we learn what Jesus has done for us. Did Jesus love us based on performance? No. He loved us based on position. Did Jesus love us sacrificially or was he selfish? He loved us sacrificially. Did Jesus love us in a way like he loved himself? Sure he did. And the beautiful thing is when we see how Jesus loved us, man, here's what we got to realize is that's the standard he has for how we love our spouses. The way Jesus has loved us is how we are to love them. Big task, but it starts with a step. It starts with a commitment. And husbands, I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to make one of these three commitments this morning? Would you be willing to say this to the Lord and maybe even to your spouse this morning? Say, no matter what, I choose, I am choosing to love you based on your position as my wife that God has given me, not your performance. No matter what, that's how I'm going to love you. Or maybe this morning you need to make a decision, to say, say to your wife and to the Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to love my wife sacrificially no matter what it takes. Or I'm going to love my wife like I love myself no matter what I feel. And I just think this morning, there's probably some husbands in the room, if you're like this guy, you're super selfish. The world revolves around you, and your marriage follows suit. And today, we need to swallow our pride, lay some things down, and say, okay, my marriage is worth fighting for. My wife and her affection spiritually and emotionally, is worth fighting for. And if you're going to fight for it, it begins with going, I love her because of who she is, not what she does. I love her sacrificially, and I'm going to choose to love her like I love myself, to nurture her, cherish her, understand her, and honor her. And this morning, man. maybe right where you sit this morning, as we sing in a moment, you just need to make that to, commitment to the Lord. You may need to lean over to your spouse and say those things to her. Maybe when you're going out to lunch today, but whatever it takes, men, will you take on your God-given biblical responsibilities in your marriage because your marriage is worth it. And then maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ. You've never made a decision for the Lord. So you're not really worried about marriage right now. You're just like, I don't know what this whole church thing about. Well, today you learned the most valuable thing about church, that we gather together on a day like this before one reason, because of what Jesus has done for us, how Jesus laid down his life for all of us. He died on a cross, and then all we have to do is acknowledge what he's done for us and say, I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me my sins. If we will do that, we can have the hope of eternal life. So this morning, if you need to make that decision, would you do that right now? Everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you, and I thank you today. I thank you for this passage. I know it's a common passage that we think about marriage, Lord, but typically we focus on the role of being the head. And But God, that's fine, but I think we need to talk about the responsibilities. That God, when, when we see how Jesus loved the church He loved broken people. He loved hypocritical people. He loved people who didn't always get it. And he loved them not based on their performance, but based on who they were. They belonged to him. He loved them sacrificially, and he loved them like he loved himself. And if we see that standard of love that you had for us, God, I pray this morning that husbands would realize that's a standard with which we are to love our spouses. So God, I pray for those marriages today. I pray that there might be some sweet moments this week where husbands are able to confess to their wives how their love has been conditional instead of unconditional, how their love has been self-serving instead of self-giving. and they would make some real commitments as husbands this week to say, you know what, honey? I'm just gonna love you because you're my bride. I'm gonna love you Sacrificially, I'm going to put your needs ahead of my needs. And I'm going to choose to love you like I love myself. I'm going to choose to, to nurture you, to nourish you, to cherish you, to understand you. And I'm going to do it with my words and my actions. And I believe if our marriages are going to get better... It can start with some husbands deciding to take up their responsibilities, not their rights. So God, would you be with marriages today? God, I pray for those in the room today that that are in that phase of singleness or they're like my mom, they're widowed or they're divorced, Lord. I pray that today they would recognize and celebrate the truth of what you've done for us. This passage is a beautiful reminder of how much you loved us, but also, Lord, that you would convict them and you would share with them that if they were to step into another relationship, this is what it's to look like. But if they choose to stay in that path of singleness, Lord, they would say, you know what? There's some couples I need to be praying for because marriage is tough. It's difficult. And I want to be someone who can intercede on the behalf of those who've come together through matrimony. So God, this message is for all of us. And my prayer is that we would just be faithful to respond as you're leading us this morning. God, we love you, and we thank you for all that you do for us. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Now this morning, as we sing, if you need prayer, it may have nothing to do with marriage. Jason and Kelly are going to be right over here, and Pat and Willie will be right over there. They'll pull the curtains back. If you just need prayer this morning, they would love to pray with you. If you want to come to this altar with your spouse and just like we did last week and just get on your knees before a holy God, that's fine. If you leave this morning and you choose, hey, I want to fight for my marriage, not in it, and you weren't here last week, we have a keychain boxing glove on the offering table back there. I would love for you to take it home with you as a reminder that you're fighting for it and you're not going to fight in it. But ultimately, however you respond this morning, my prayer is that God would be honored with our response. Your marriage. Your relationships, they're worth it. So what commitment do you need to make this morning? And will you follow through with it? So have the Lord lead you. Would you respond to that as we continue to worship?